Well, good morning, everybody. It's Pastor Randy here with uh, Made Free Church, Tactical Discipleship, and ServantForChrist.org. I hope you guys are having a great morning. Let me turn some music on. I know I am. Um, ooh, it's loud. And if you don't know who uh, Josh Snodgrass is, uh, he's a he's a guitarist that does hymns and and worship music and stuff. And there's no singing. It's just it's just guitar, you know what I mean? And it's so amazing just to, you know, every morning I get up and I listen to him and, and stuff like that. And it just kind of gets me into the motion of uh, getting with Jesus, man. You know what I mean? How cool is that? Um, anyway, uh, we're going to, you know, I, uh, I want to, I know that last week I took a week off, man. And uh, it was a great week. I was posting some older videos uh, for you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed those, but I'm back. And um, God is so good. God is so good. Um, and uh, I just had to take a week off, man, and just kind of just regroup, regroup and just kind of just do my thing. I hope you guys had a great day yesterday. It was Reformation Day, um, as thus reformers call it. Um, you know, I don't celebrate... Halloween at all, um, but we did go. Uh, a friend and I uh, did uh, go to uh, to trunk or treat over at Water of Life, which was really really fun. It was a cool event, um, but I do not celebrate uh, Halloween. I don't believe in it. It's a pagan holiday, um, and uh, I, I you know it's it's very demonic to me. So um, I don't celebrate it. I you know, um, but I will go to like trunk or treats and stuff like that just to go support, you know, and see other, see my friends and churches and stuff. So, um, and it was fun. We had a good time last night. It was, uh, me, Richard and, and Anna. And it was just, uh, it was just a good time. It really, really, really was. So we're going to continue our study here in first Corinthians. I know I've been taking a long time, but we're going to be in first Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 14 through 20. Um, and this is called flee from idolatry. Okay, so let's get into it. Ha Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. Lord, thank you that we get to get up and, and uh, just get with you, Lord. Just ask that you get me out of the way, Lord, and you, your word goes through. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, just a little bit of a plug, man. You know, um, we do every two weeks, uh, uh, every two Sundays. We did it yesterday, so it'll be on, where's my mouse here? Um, <laughs> it'll be on, um, the 14th we're going to be doing, it's called let's talk. Um, and what, what it is, is this, we're just getting together and we're talking about current events and how it either applies or it doesn't apply to Christian, to, to Christianity. And yesterday we did, uh, something that was called Christianity and socialism on how, it uh it's not compatible and it was me uh, uh aaron from 120 army and uh richard from tactical discipleship and uh it was it was pretty amazing you know what i mean it was pretty pretty amazing we got to talk a lot we got to get through some stuff and 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 discuss how socialism is not compatible and this woke agenda and, and all this stuff that's going on in our in our world today you know, with inflation and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of a political message, but 
it was something that I think that you guys need to hear because there was some really, really good stuff being said. So um, every two weeks. So on the 14th, we're going to be doing another one. We don't know the topic yet, um, but uh, it, it's going to be fun. So if you guys get a chance to go to our YouTube page at Made Free Church or our, our Twitter, and we're going to even putting on, uh, I'm going to be putting on my podcast, which is Reformed Pastor. Um, and uh, so go check that out. That's going to be pretty awesome. Um, and it's it's myself, Aaron from 120 Army, and Richard from Tactical Discipleship. So it's it's pretty it's pretty a fun thing. So guys, go check that out. Um, well, guys, if you get just an announcement, quick announcement, you guys, if you guys need prayer, please go to MadeFreeChurch.org. We're a praying church, right? We're a praying church. We'd love to pray for you. Um, so if you guys need prayer, go to there's a little prayer tab on the website. And go fill that little thing out and what your prayer request is. We have a whole team set up uh, to uh, pray over you. Um, now we're not really, during the pandemic, we were taking calls and praying with people. And, and uh, we kind of, uh, because most of the pastors here and the deacons and stuff, we work. And most of the team works now too. So we're not doing the phone calls anymore. But... If you guys are in major need of prayer and it's an emergency, please fill out your phone number so we can call you and minister to you. Um, you know, uh, it's so important that we do this. You know what I mean? But, uh, um, you know, uh, but we're going to be backing off the phone calls now because it's really taken up a lot of our time and stuff like that. But anyway, um, but if you guys need prayer, we encourage you to leave your prayer request. Um, on the website. That way we can pray for you and our team can pray for you as well. So let's get into our message. And I want you to open up your word to uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verses 14 through 22. And it says this, um, you know, we're going to continue our study in 1 Corinthians in a series that I'm calling ch uh, challenges that Christians face. And one of those challenges that Christians face is Christian liberty. You know what I mean? And, and, and let's learn in, in, in this Bible study that I'm calling Flee from Idolatry. Um, let's read 1 Corinthians 10, verse, verses, uh, uh, verses 14 through 22. And I'm reading out of the, the Legacy Standard Bible, which is a new Bible that uh, the guys that did the translators from the NSAB did. But this is kind of a juiced up version of the New American Standard Bible. It's called the Legacy Standard Bible. It's really awesome. If you guys don't know about it, Go check it out. Go download it on your phone. Go go check it out. It's, it's an awesome Bible. And it says this. Therefore, my, my blood, flee from idolatry. I speak as to prudent people. You judge what I say. It is not a cup of blessing which we bless, a sharing in the blood of Christ. It is not the bread which we break, a sharing, a sharing in the body of Christ. Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. Look at the nation of Israel. Are those not who eat the sacrifices share in the altar? What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is, is anything or that an idol is anything. No, but what... Uh, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. 
And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of the demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? The Oxford Dictionary uh, uh, of the Christian Church, def, uh, the, the definition of synchronism is the attempt to combine different or opposite doctrines and practices, especially in reference to physiological and religious systems. An example of uh, synchronism in the United States, according to wikianswers.com, is we have an an Easter egg hunt. We are combining a Christian holiday with an ancient Greek and Roman pagan traditions. Or another example, uh, 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 you know, in, in South Africa is the African uh, is an African tradition religion is mixed with Christianity. And once I heard a Christian church dedicating a new building with animal sacrifices in order to appease the spirits. This is somewhat similar to the situation in the city of Corinth uh, at the time uh, of the Apostle Paul. People had come to faith in Jesus Christ and uh, in Corinth, and some of them were Jews and some of them were Gentiles, right? The Gentile Christians had formerly worshipped pagan idols at temples prior to their conversion to Christ. They brought their offering to the temple priest. And one, one part was burned on the, the, the altar sacrifice. And the second part was given to the priest who would either eat it or most likely sell it to the meat market. And the third part was eaten by the worshiper, usually in the temple precinct. And, and in fact, one commentator said that the temple precinct was a basic, it was the basic restaurant of iniquity. Now let's, let's kind of briefly review how this fits into Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. As you may recall, first Corinthians, Paul, uh, was in fact, uh, Paul's response to the letter received by them six times in his first, in, in his first letter, uh, <clears throat> to the Corinthians, Paul said, now concerning, you can find that in 7 Six times, Paul responded to the question or issue raised in the letter that he received from the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 8.1 said, now concerning food offered to idols. That was the, the, the first of the six issues. All of chapters 8 through 10 deal with the issues of food offered to idols. The Corinthian Christians were engaged in a huge debate about whether it was okay to eat meat offered to idols. This issue, uh, this was an issue uh, on which God had not clearly revealed his will. It is therefore a debatable matter. And the, the Christians in Corinth were divided over the issue. Some are saying it was okay to eat uh, uh meat that was offered to idols and others says it was not Paul's response to their questions by what we, what he's doing is setting down a fundamental principle in 1 Corinthians 8 13 and it says this 
Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Paul would never do anything that would cause his brother in Christ to stumble. He was willing to limit his Christian freedom in order to love his brother in Christ. So in chapter 8, Paul set down the principles that Christians must deny themselves their rights for the sake of the gospel. And in chapter 9, Paul illustrated in his own life the pattern of self-denial for the sake of the gospel. And in chapters uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 13, Paul showed from Old Testament examples how an unwillingness to deny themselves their right for the sake of the gospel disqualified some for effective service. Now, in chapters four, uh, chapter 10, four, verses 14 through 22, Paul brought to conclusion the question about food idols, but Paul set down a very clear prohibition against idolatry. So in our Bible study today, we learn that Christians are prohibited from practicing idolatry. Let's learn. Let's, let, let's really learn about this. In verses 14 is the command, right? Um, the argument in verses 15 through 20a, and then the conclusion, uh, which is 20b through 21, and then the question in verse 22. First, let's notice the command. Paul said in verse 14, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. The word therefore indicates that Paul is drawing his response to the uh, Corinthians to a conclusion. And, and, and he has been addressing the issue of food offered to idols uh, for two and a half chapters. He has set down his position regarding food offered to idols. And now he is about to summarize and make a concluding statement. And all right. So he also wanted the Corinthians and he wanted to be make sure that the Corinthians understood his his affection for them. So he addressed him as my beloved. Now you may recall that the apostle Paul was their former pastor having planted the church several years earlier even though they were having many problems at they were having many problems at his former church he still wanted them to know that he loved them as a as fellow heirs in the kingdom of God Paul gave his concluding statement on this matter food offered to idols flee from idolatry right this is, the, this is, in fact, a command. The word flee signifies that the action should be carried on habitually or continually. In other words, Paul is saying, keep fleeing from an idolatry, right? Paul was also about to tell the Corinthians that they should not eat food offered to the idols if they knew it would cause their brother or sister to in Christ to stumble. They should do nothing to cause their brother or sister to stumble. They should be aware of the dangers of idolatry. Idolatry can be defined as the worship of something created opposed to the worship of the creator himself. Idolatry is one of the foremost sins in human beings. That is why the first two commandments 
deal with idolatry. The first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. That's Exodus 20, verse 3. And the second commandment says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness or of anything that is in heaven above or is in the earth beneath or that in the water underneath the earth. You should not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of your fathers on the children on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Exodus 24 verses four through six. That's pretty blatant, right? Oh man. But John MacArthur said, Pastor John MacArthur says, idolatry includes much more than bowing down or burning incense to a physical image. Idolatry is having a false God or any object, idea, philosophy, habit, occupation, sport, or whatever that has one's primary concern and loyalty or that to any degree decreases one's trust and loyalty to the Lord. See, the Apostle Paul didn't want the Corinthians to worship anyone or anything else other than the true God. He did not want any kind of synchronism or idolatry. This is a constant struggle for us today, right? It is. You know, during the Reformation, uh, John Calvin, uh, 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 exclaim that the human beings are by nature idol factories. That is to say that we are very good at manufacturing someone or something other than the true God of worship to worship. And so we should hear and obey Paul's command. It says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Now, the second, let's look at the argument that Paul developed, right? Paul knew that believers in Corinth and, and, and so he was, so he was, he was able to write to them in verse 15. I speak to you as sensible people judge for yourselves what I say, even though that he had given them a command, he wanted them to examine the reasons behind his command. So he invited them to judge for themselves what he had to say. Now let, let's let, let's look at the let's look at the first let's look at the argument regarding the Lord's Supper, right? Paul asked a question in verse sixteen about the Lord's Supper, the cup of the of blessing that we bless. Is it not a participation of the blood of Christ? The bread that we break is it not participation of the body of Christ? See. The question emphasizes that drinking from the, the, the Lord's, the cup of the Lord's Supper is a participation in the blood of Christ and eating the bread of the Lord in the Lord's Supper is a participation of the body of Christ. The words participation can also mean communion or fellowship. Also, 
Paul meant, meant that when Christians celebrate the Lord's suppers, they are actually communing and fellowshipping with Christ. So Paul continued in verse 17, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body for all partake in the one bread. Paul is now stressing that our fellowship is not only with Christ, but also with one another. There is a double fellowship with Christ and one another, right? Paul wanted the, the, the Corinthian Christians to understand that because we are united in fellowship with Christ and also for us, right? And with one another, there we therefore participate in the Lord's Supper. You know what I mean? So Paul wanted the Christians to understand that. Even today, Christians, he, he, you know, as, as we read his word and stuff like that. He said in verse 18, and consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifice participants in the altar. See, Paul was referring to the Old Testament people of Israel who brought offerings to be sacrificed to God. You know, some of the offer, offering was sacrificed to God in the altar. So it was eaten by the priest and some of it was eaten by the person who brought the offering. And isn't it interesting how similar it was to what happened in the temples at Corinth in Paul's day? Paul was, was again, stressing that the people of Israel who brought offerings and ate them were fellowshipping with God and one another. And that was the point of the offering, right? And that's the point of the Lord's Supper, right? So it is entirely likely that Paul was thinking specifically of the Passover meal when he used the argument. In the next chapter, Paul addressed the matter of celebrating the Lord's Supper more fully. And the, Lord, the, the Lord's Supper in the New Testament is sac, uh, a New, New Testament sacrament that replaced the Old Testament sacrament of the Passover meal. Paul warned the Corinthians to understand that the people of Israel in the Old Testament and the church in the New Testament had a covenant meal. The Old Testament, it, it, it was the Passover meal and the New Testament was the Lord's Supper. Both meals, there was participation, fellowship, communion with God, and also fellow believers, right? The meal was highly symbolic of some spiritual unity that exists between God and his people. And so also of the unity that exists between fellow, fellow believers. So the third, let's look at the argument regarding pagan sacrifices. Paul asked in verse 19, what do I, what do I imply then? that food offered to idols is anything or that the idol is anything. The, the reason Paul asked the question is because the, the in Corinth, we're saying that eating food offered to idols is nothing. They denied the idol of even having any power. So what was Paul's response to his own question? He said in verse 22a, that's the beginning of the verse. No, I implied that what pagans sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. Paul's point is something supernatural was involved in offering food to idols. He said, 
what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons. See, Paul understood that the pagan religions are false and the pagans and the pagan gods were vastly inferior to the true God. Now, in foods offered to idols, there was participation, fellowship, communion with demons, and also fellow idol worshipers. Pretty crazy, right? And we just got done with... Um, we just got done with... Uh, um, we just got done with uh, a Halloween... And, and that's, that's another pagan holiday. You know what I mean? It really, really, truly is. So let's, 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 let's notice the conclusion. Paul started, uh, his conclusion in verse 20 B. That's the last part. I do not want you to per, to be participants with demons. If we look at, at Halloween, that's being participants with demons because the way that that our, 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 the way that we dress up our costumes and stuff like that, that's participation. Sorry. I just can't get down with that. Paul wanted his readers to understand that any offering is participation, a fellowship, a communion with the one whom the offering is presented. That is why Christians should have absolutely nothing to do with demons at all. And especially nothing to do with Halloween. He said uh, to believers in verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Richard Pratt said this in his commentary. It is inappropriate for Christians to drink the cup of the Lord and also drink the cup of demons. Drinking the cup of demons is sharing of the fellowship with evil supernatural beings and somehow affects a mysterious supernatural union with them just as sexual intercourse between a man and a prostitute brings about a similar union demons have no power over christians even when christians eat idol in idol temples but such union with demons corrupts the sanctity of the believer's relationship with christ just as fornication with a prostitute does. That's pretty deep, guys. You know what I mean? Finally, Paul made this clear by asking two questions. In verse 22a, he says, shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? See, we usually think of jealousy as a bad characteristic. And it can be. It really, really can. But jealousy can be a good characteristic depending on the situation. In one way, to understand whether jealousy is good or bad is, the, is, is to think of it in the terms of legitimate and illegitimate revival. For example, you remember, uh, you remember uh, the story leading up to the 1994 Olympics in which the figure skater, uh, Tanya Harding's ex-husband and friend organized to have her figure skater opponent, Nancy Kerrigan, clubbed uh, on her uh, right knee. That was designed to keep Nancy out of the, the Winter Olympics. And apparently, Harding was jealous of Kerrigan and had that kind of jealousy was wrong. The reason it was wrong is because Kerrigan was a legitimate revival in a sport of figure skating. 
On the other hand, um, suppose you discover that, that, that your wife has of having affections towards someone else. You would be right to be jealous <laughs> in that instance because the other person is illegitimate, uh, uh, an illegitimate revival for affections from your spouse, right? In the same way, God has a holy jealousy for his bride, the church, right? He has a holy jealousy when people's affections shift from himself to anything else. That is why God said in Deuteronomy 30, uh, 32, 21, that the people of Israel have made me jealous with what is no God. They provoked me to anger with their idols. The Apostle John gave a severe warning about what happens to idolaters in Revelations 28, where it says, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the, de the, the, the debasable, as murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Hard to swallow, right? Idolatry is very offensive to God and it provokes him to holy jealousy from him, right? Uh, Paul's second question is in verse 22b and it's obviously uh, uh, rhetorical. Are we similar than he? Does the idolater think that he is more powerful than God? God will not allow idolatry to go unpunished. Even Christians will not escape God's severe discipline if they persist in worship in any sort of idol. Apparently, the Corinthians who persisted in eating food offered to idols paid with their health and even their lives, as Paul pointed out later in his discussions on the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11.30. So how does this text apply to us? Commentator Gordon Fee says the argument that the argument has now come full circle. For the modern readers, it may seem terribly convoluted, but it probably was not at all for the first readers, for whom this was a response to their letter. The issue being singular, they were arguing for the right to attend pagan feasts and were trying to build up others by having them attend as well. And Paul says no. They were not willing to deny themselves the right for the sake of the gospel. They were, in, they were involving, unloving, right? Furthermore, their action was completely incompatible with their life in Christ and as it celebrated the Lord's Supper. Fee goes on to say that converts in the third world setting, of course, often have an immediacy with food offered to idol, uh, uh, idols that many others do not. They struggle over the religious intent of the mills of various kinds, sometimes even in their ancestral homes. Their mit where the meal is eaten in honor of the God, lower caste G. But what Paul is finally forbidding is any kind of relationship with, with the demonic. 
how that translates into modern Western cultures, it may be very moot. Probably <coughs> what most Western Christians need to learn is that the demonic is not as remote as some would wish to believe. We, we celebrate, uh, the Americans celebrate Halloween. That's communion with demons. You know, you, you may call me legalistic or whatever, but if you dress up in a demonic outfit, or if a woman is 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 being you know dressing up in, in a very very revealing outfit, right? Um, that's demonic. It, 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 for Halloween, it's demonic. It it really really is. I don't celebrate Halloween because it is a demonic holiday. It's a pagan holiday. You know, it's just, just and if you want to get technical, so is Easter, you know what I mean? Um, and so is Valentine's Day. Very, very pagan, pagan. It started from paganism. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, Easter, we, we celebrate the ascension of, of Christ, but, um, but that the rabbits and eggs, that's, that's a pagan, that's pagan. You know what I mean? That's pagan and, and, and stuff, you know what I mean? So think about that. May I suggest one area for you to consider as a possible application? You know, we just celebrated Halloween. Halloween, if Halloween has anything whatsoever to do with demonic, and I believe it does, should Christians participate in it? I don't think so. I don't think any Christian should participate in Halloween or even say happy Halloween. You know, it's a truck or treat last night. You know how many times I heard happy Halloween? From Christians. And I was like. Happy Hallows Eve. It's demonic. But see. In, in our western culture. The church. Is. I mean. We, we talked about it yesterday. The church is weak. There's. You know. There, there's no real warriors going out. And sharing the gospel. Or sharing anything with anybody. You know what I mean? There's few of them out there that do. And, and they use platforms like, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all that other stuff, right? But are you really, really going out and sharing the word of God at your work? In the, in the stores, on the street corner? I'm not talking about holding up a sign that says you're going to hell. But I'm saying, are you doing something other than what your flesh wants to do. Think about it. And I challenge you guys. If you're not sharing the gospel at work and you're not sharing the gospel on the street, I challenge you to do that today. I challenge this week as you share the gospel with one person this week and see what happens. Oh, man. All right. As we close, <laughs> um, just a, a few more announcements. Guys, if you guys want to support Made Free Church, please go to madefreechurch.org. Um, there's a giving tab. You can give three, way, three ways. You can give through a cash app. You can give through a PayPal link, or you can send a check or money order to the address that's provided. Guys, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for listening. And it's going to get deeper as we go through 1 Corinthians. So be here Wednesday. All right? 
God bless you guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity that we get just to spend time with you this morning. We love you. We worship you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. You guys have a great day.